How many of you are thankful for the Holy Spirit? You thankful for the Holy Spirit? Let's stand together. We're going to read one verse together, but we're going to read three versions of the one verse because I kept finding good ones. And this is so good that I want us to get it. And so let's put the first one up there. Ephesians 5.15, it's very short. And we're going to read it first out of, I think, the NIV. But here we go. Are you ready? Read it with me. Do not get drunk on wine. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know that's right. Okay. But look what he says, which leads to debauchery. Instead, read it with me, be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is so good. Let's look at the NLT version and read it with me again. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Turn to the other side and say, I know that's right. Instead, what? Let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. And one more, I had to use the message. Are you ready? Here we go. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Everybody together, we know that's right. Now you think I'm going to preach on alcohol today, but I'm not. He says, I love this, drink the Spirit of God, great, huge draughts of Him. In other words, drink all the time, but drink the Holy Spirit. Drink of the Holy Spirit. Well, those are powerful verses, all right? Lord, we just thank you for your word today. And Lord, I come to you needing your anointing. I need your, your touch to communicate this in a way that the simplest person understands. And Lord, we're asking the anointing we have received, the Holy Ghost, to teach us the great teacher of the church, the Holy Spirit. Open our ears and open our eyes that we can hear and see what God is saying to the church through this verse. And thank you, Lord. I pray that at the end of this service, when we stand to worship you and to pray to you, that there will be an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon every single person in this room and on everybody in their living rooms watching by video that there will be a moving of the Spirit. The Spirit will fall. And Lord, help us to be filled again in Jesus' name. Now lift a prayer with me, church, and say, Lord, fill me today with fresh fire in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I know he heard that prayer. Amen. Isn't that a great song we sang at the end? They're all good. Oh, I love that song at the end. That's a good one. Good, good job, praise team. I appreciate so much all they do. Now, with all that's going on in our world, terrorism, massive corruption in the political sphere in Washington, when you, when you look at the condition of America right now, you've got to say the enemy has come in like a flood, not only in, the, in America but all over the world, bloodshed, violence, heartache, brutality, ruthlessness, all these things that we connect with, and rightly so, with the devil. Because he came to kill and steal and destroy, and that's all that he does. He lies and he kills and he steals and he destroys. And if you're walking with him, that's what you will do. If you're walking with the Lord, you'll do what he did. Now, 
What is the answer? Well, I believe that there can be somewhat of a solution politically, but I've learned a long time ago, don't put your eggs in that basket very much at all because people let us down all the time. People promise one thing and do another, but I know one who promises and never lets you down. I know one who never breaks his promises, and that is the Lord Jesus and God Almighty. He's a covenant God. And so I tell you that the real answer for what's happening is not found in flesh and blood, but it is found in the moving and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit like we've never needed him before. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. That means a wall, a resistance against him. And so we need the moving of the Spirit today. We need the Spirit of God to move through God's people because that's who God always chooses, you. He chooses you. If my people who are called by my name, is that you? will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their own wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So the answer is in God's people filled with God's spirit, walking in God's word, loving Jesus with nothing held back. When I look around me today then at churches, I got to tell you, I see a lot of churches that are muscle-bound with organization, but they lack the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit. I love churches. I love pastors. But you can be so organizational that you're muscle-bound and can't move. We need with organization, and Jesus was organized. When Jesus fed the 5,000 with the fish and the loaves, he broke them up into groups. He organized them. And then he gave every disciple, every one of his apostles, bread and fish to pass out, and they passed them out to an organized group, and in the midst of organization, a miracle broke forth. So organization with the wind and the fire of the Holy Ghost is what we need. In fact, it seems to me that a lot of churches are also fat and out of shape and out of breath. They have all that they need materially, but they lack the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit. May God's Holy Spirit blow across America and blow across churches and fill us once again with a fresh fire from the Spirit of God. I'm praying for a move of God across America. That's the only answer for America. It will be not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord that America and the world is turned around by the mighty move of God. It seems to me that the average Christian and the average church, if you were just to go up to people that have been in church today and say, and just talk to them for a little bit, here's what I tend to find, people that are bogged down somewhere between Calvary and Pentecost. We've been to the cross and we've been pardoned, but we haven't been to Pentecost for the power. I thank God for the pardon. I wouldn't be standing up here without pardon. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb that clears our conscience and that opens us up to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But once we've been to Calvary and been pardoned, we, know to, we need to go to Pentecost for the power. He gave pardon and he gave power. I want you to say something with me. Are you ready? Uh, now in the early service or the best service, the, the 9 o'clock service, this side did better than this side. And so I want to be sure that this side keeps up with this side. But I want you to say this with me. We need the pardon of the cross at the beginning 
but we need the power of Pentecost to make it to the end. If you know that's true, give me my hand. I know it's true. I'm a debtor to the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm a debtor to Jesus on the cross, no doubt about it. He pardoned me, and it was just an unbelievable experience when I was saved, sitting in juvenile home as a 16-year-old kid headed towards prison where I never went. But I was one hair's breadth away, and he saved me. He pardoned me. But I didn't know anything about the Word of God. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't had no teaching. I was raised in paganism, not Christianity. We weren't raised in church. I didn't know that I needed that power. And two years later, I went from Calvary to Pentecost, and I experienced the power of the Holy Ghost. And when I experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, that's what turned my life around completely, revolutionized my life, and it's what got me behind a pulpit like this, the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a debtor to the Holy Spirit. How many times has he strengthened me when I was down? How many times has he comforted me when I was disturbed? How many times has he guided me when I didn't know which way to go? How many times has he picked me up and dusted me off and filled me with fresh vision and fresh power and fresh hope and fresh life? Listen, we need the Holy Ghost like we need oxygen. The Holy Spirit is spiritual oxygen. Now, some, some questions always come up when you're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. When I say the phrase, the filling of the Holy Spirit, a lot of things run through a lot of different people's minds. What is the filling of the Spirit, some wonder? What does it even mean? Uh, how does it happen? How do you get filled with the Holy, filled with the Holy Spirit? What, how, how does it happen? Because to tell you the truth, Jeff, I don't know that it's ever happened to me. Some of you are thinking that. And you wonder why others seem to be more zealous and more turned on than you feel. And you wish you could feel that way. And so you're kind of wondering. Most of all, we, 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 we say, am I filled with the Spirit? Me, am I filled with the Spirit? And how do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? One day as Jesus was talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, which he did a lot, Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. And one day as he was talking about the Holy Spirit, here's what he said to them. This is very telling. Watch this. I will ask the Father, he said, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because the world's not even looking for him because they don't recognize him because they don't know Jesus who gives the Holy Spirit. But you know him. Now watch what he says. For he dwells with you, but he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone to battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. He said in another place, it's to your advantage, as the screen just showed. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, he doesn't come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And you need him more than you know you need him. I will send him to you. And he's been with you, he says to the disciples. This is pre-cross, pre-resurrection. He says, he's been with you, but disciples of mine, the day is going to come when he's in you. He's in you. Now, what did he mean, he's been with you? He's been with you, but he's going to be in you. 
Well, watch this. The, the, the disciples had seen the miracles Jesus performed by the Spirit over and over. To walk with Jesus was to walk with a walking miracle. And he did miracles everywhere that he went. So they knew this was by the Spirit. They saw the Spirit's activity, so he was with them. They saw the Spirit's presence resting on the Savior 24-7. The Spirit always rested on the Savior. They could see that he was filled with grace and truth. And had they not witnessed the Spirit descending upon him in the form of a dove visually in a vision at his water baptism, the Spirit had been with them. They'd been around him, near him. They had been touched by him, moved by him. But Jesus said, when I go to the cross and die for your sins and when I'm resurrected, I'm going to send him to you and it's going to go from him being with you to being in you. In you. And that happened on the church's birthday on the day of Pentecost. That's the church's birthday. Happy birthday on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is the church's birthday. That's when the church was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, I want to look at three key truths about being filled with the Spirit because I'm praying that our church gets filled like never before. I want to just confess to you, I need him. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. You need him. You're not going to make it without him. We need him every hour of every day. He was given for a reason. So let me give you three key truths about being filled with the Holy Spirit. First one, the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event. It's not a one-time event. This morning I got up, and as I always do, I went and got a, uh, my Bible, and, and what else did I get? See how well my church knows me. I went and got coffee, which God made on the eighth day. And he said, it is good. <laughs> now, what, what if I had gotten a cup of coffee and, said, and, and drank it and said, wow, that was great. That ought to carry me the rest of my life. Thank God that's not true. Because as soon as church is over, I'm going to fill my cup again. And I'll fill it up again before the day is out. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to fill it again. In other words, just because you have a drink once doesn't mean that's supposed to be your last drink. It's that way with the Holy Spirit. It's that way with the Holy Spirit. Let me go back to the beginning of the church for a moment. The Church of Jesus Christ's birthday, as I said, was on the day of Pentecost. The Bible records, let me read it again because it's so powerful. And what happened, we have to use our sanctified imaginations because here's 120 primarily blue-collar workers. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was up in that upper room. Peter, James, John were in that upper room. Peter, who had denied the Lord and failed so abysmally, was in that upper room. They had been cowering. They had been hiding. They had been behind locked doors. They were timid. They were afraid. They were anything but bold. But they were in the upper room because Jesus said, don't you dare go out and minister in my name until what I have promised is poured out on you from on high because you'll not make it 10 feet down the road in ministry unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they're in the upper room. The Bible says they had, a, they had an extended prayer meeting and suddenly there was an audio a manifestation of the Spirit of God. There were no speakers, no microphones. They didn't exist. Suddenly there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind that blew through that upper room. 
Their hair wasn't being blown. Their clothes weren't being blown. It was a sound. So God decided that the, the coming of the Holy Spirit would be signaled and represented by what we know to be a wind that has force and power. And then they not only had an audio manifestation, but a visual manifestation because over every one of the 120 heads, they saw a flame of fire. So the Holy Ghost was manifested by wind that moves in power and fire that consumes. Wow. And the Bible says everybody there, all of them, Mary, the mother of Jesus, all of them was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, let me just pluck one word from there, filled, because that's what I'm talking about today, filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's exactly the same word, of course, as in Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. We, they were filled with the Spirit. So they were filled in Acts 2. He's telling them, be filled in Ephesians 5. They were filled, be filled. Filled means to the maximum. It means to the limit. It means maxed out. Like a glass can be filled with water all the way up to the top where you couldn't put one more thimble full of water in that cup because it is totally and completely filled to the point of overflowing. David described it this way. You anoint my head with oil. Anointing in the Old Testament represented the Holy Spirit you, the, and the oil as well. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So he's comparing his soul to a cup, to a glass, to a receptacle that is at first empty but then filled. You don't fill a hose with water. A hose is a conduit, not a receptacle. Water flows through a hose, but you don't look at a hose and say, fill it with water. You look at a hose and say, run water through it. A glass you look at and you say, fill it with water. And you can't fill it unless it's first empty. You can't fill something that's already full. They were filled with the Holy Spirit because they weren't full of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit because their souls had not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me go into a little bit of theology with you. When Adam fell, one of the things that happened that was so tragic, so devastating with the fall of Adam and Eve is the Holy Spirit who was dwelling in Adam and Eve. I believe Adam and Eve glowed with the power of God. I believe they glowed. I believe if they came walking up to you in the dark, they looked like two great big fireflies. They were filled with the Shekinah glory of God. No shadow of sin had crossed between them and God. He talked with them and walked with them casually, conversationally, relationally. But when they sinned, one of the things that happened is the Holy Spirit was removed. And they became fallen. The first Adam lost the presence of the Holy Spirit. They were driven from the Garden of Eden, the place of blessing, the place of paradise. They lost it all when they sinned because sin always subtracts and God always multiplies. And they lost 
the blessing. They lost the presence. And, and so what Adam bequeathed to us, the human race, is when we're born once, born the first time, when we uh, are born in our mother's womb, from our mother's womb, we're born absent the Holy Spirit. We're born with an empty soul. We're born with an empty soul. Why do you think people want to get involved with drugs and alcohol and one relationship after another, after another, after another, because we know there's an emptiness. We don't know what it is. We wish we could put our finger on it, but being in the dark and being fallen and having our minds blinded, we don't know what we're dealing with. But the reason people kill themselves with drugs and, and, and saturate their lives with the tragedy of alcohol and do all these things is because something is empty and we don't know what, but I'm trying to fill that empty receptacle. And that's why the second Adam came, and that's why a part of what he did was to restore to us the presence that we lost. And so the day of Pentecost had to happen because when the Holy Ghost was removed, when man fell, now he's restored by the second Adam who restored to us what the first Adam had done, what he had taken away, what was lost. And so I can remember when the Spirit of God filled my heart I was like a young man that had been walking through a dry desert. My mouth was, was parched. I was dying. I was searching. I was looking. I was just about dead. I was beat up to a pulp by a sinful life. And, and what I was looking for and didn't know it was what Jesus gave to me when I came to him. And that was the Holy Spirit. And when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it was like my soul said, home, home, you're home. You have found home. You're back. This is home. This is what God made you to walk in. A glass is a receptacle that's made to be filled and so is your soul. And if it can be filled, it can be emptied. Please understand that. If it can be filled, it can be empty. If your soul can be filled with the Holy Spirit, just like a glass of water, you drink that glass of water, it goes from full to empty. And when you are filled with the Spirit of God, that's not enough one time because it's going to be empty. Life is going to empty it. Struggles are going to empty it. Weariness is going to empty it. Battles with the devil is going to empty it. People's betrayals are going to empty it. Life is just going to take its toll, and you're going to need to be refilled because you're just like a glass that needs to be refilled over and over again daily. We are receptacles that are filled and emptied out, then filled again. Hence the command in Ephesians 5.18 to be continuously, repeatedly, daily filled with the Spirit. The command to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18 is in a verb tense in the original language that means a continuous replenishment and ongoing and repeated filling. It could read this way. Go on being filled. Or another uh, translation, keep being continuously filled. Can you say that with me today? Keep being continuously filled. That's good. When was the last time you were filled? I mean filled. <clears throat> I mean where the joy of the Lord, I mean where you were filled where you couldn't take it anymore. I mean where you were filled with the spirit that you wanted to laugh out loud and, 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 and you didn't drag into church. You skipped 
sucked into church. See, that's what makes good church. When, when you've been with the Lord all week long and you got filled on Monday and then you got filled again on Tuesday and then you did it again on Wednesday and then you went back to the well on Thursday and then you went back again on Friday and then you dipped into the well again on Saturday so that when Sunday comes, we all come in here and we explode because we're already filled with the Spirit of God. Be being filled with the Spirit. Be filled every day, every waking moment. Now I want to give you an example. In Acts 41, just two chapters after Acts 2, in Acts 4, 31, we find that the very same people who were in the upper room and got filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, those very same people get filled again in Acts 4, 31. Now let me tell you the, uh, a little bit of the background. They've just been persecuted. On the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Spirit. And when they got filled with the Spirit, they immediately got in trouble. They got in trouble for preaching Jesus because they couldn't quit talking about Jesus. So the, disciples, or the, uh, the Sanhedrin, all the religious leaders, the highbrows, um, the religious people, brought them together, threw them in jail, brought them out the next morning, and they said, we don't care what you do. We don't care where you go. You can go to synagogue. You can do anything you want. But here's what we're telling you. Don't you anymore talk in the name of Jesus. Don't preach Jesus. Don't teach Jesus. Why would they say that? Because they knew that God moved when Jesus was preached and taught and shared. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're amening me. And so what do they do? As soon as they're released from jail and from being persecuted and threatened, they go find their own folks, the believers. And it says in Acts 4.23, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and reported to them what had happened. And what they told them launched a major red-hot prayer meeting. And it says in Acts 4.24 and then verse 29 as well, uh, it says, when they heard this, they raised their voices in, together in prayer to God. And they said, Sovereign Lord, meaning God, we know you're in control. They said, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant who? Jesus. Now, what have they prayed for? I, I wrote it out. Here's what they prayed for. They want boldness, healings, miracles, and signs. What they've really asked for is a fresh touch from God. They've asked for a fresh touch that would result in boldness and supernatural manifestations of the Spirit of God. They said the key word is enable. Lord, enable us. Enable us. We're under the gun. The heat is on. Enable us. We've been threatened. We've been jailed. We've been persecuted. They don't like us. So enable us to not fade into the shadows, but stand up front and preach Jesus with boldness. And how did God answer? It says, after they prayed, I love this, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were, read this with me, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit resulting in they spoke the word of God boldly. 
So when they said, God enable me, how did God answer? God filled them with the Holy Spirit. See, the key to the church is the Holy Spirit. The key to victory is being filled with the Holy Spirit. The key to, to winning over the devil is filled with the Holy Spirit. The key to the church advancing is being filled with the Holy Spirit. The key to the devil being shut down and satanic assignments canceled is when the church is filled with the Spirit. That's what enables us. But wait a minute. These folks in Acts 4 were there in Acts 2. So if they were filled in Acts 2, how are they being filled again in Acts 4? because they had just been persecuted. They had just been jailed. They were depleted. And so they said, Lord, fill me again. And then fill me again. Lord, we need to be filled again. So the, the mighty Pentecost recipients of the Holy Spirit needed to be filled again two chapters later. If they need to be filled again, where does that leave us? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Give me a 1,000 people filled with the Holy Spirit and we can turn Fort Worth absolutely upside down and inside out, filled with the Holy Spirit. The early church understood their need to stay full of the Holy Spirit in order to minister the Word of God and live a victorious Christian life. They knew we are enabled and we do this by the gift of God that He gave us the Holy Spirit. The greatest preacher of the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon, said, the grand thing the church needs in this time is God's Holy Spirit. And that was in the 1800s. He wouldn't believe. He was a London preacher. He wouldn't believe London today. He wouldn't believe America today. And if they needed to be filled then, what about now? So being filled is a daily, continual experience. Now, the second thing I want to tell you about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It means to be controlled by the Spirit of God. To be filled with the Spirit of God means to be controlled by the Spirit of God. That's what it means. One commentator put Ephesians 5.18 this way, be constantly controlled by the Spirit, under the Spirit's control. Now, I want you to go to Ephesians 5.18 with me for a minute. Look at the two options he, said, he gives us. He says, be not drunk with wine, option one, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, when I look at those two options, I realize they've got one thing in common. If you're drunk with wine, you're under its control. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're under his control. You see, the devil wants you under control to a substance. God wants you under control to the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. The devil wants you enslaved to a substance. Now, if, if Paul had known about crack cocaine and meth and pot, and I'm going to say that again, pot, I don't care if all of Colorado goes to pot, it's still a mind-altering substance. And anything that alters my brain, I don't want it. I want my brain clarified. I want it clear. I want it able to think well. So if all that had been back there in Paul's time, he might very well have said, don't be drunk with wine, don't be cranked with crack, don't be high on meth, don't be floating on pot. The whole idea is God doesn't want his people under the control of anything but the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen today? Come on. 
both, with both wine and the Holy Spirit, the issue is control. With one of them, you're out of control. With the second one, you're under control. When a person drinks wine, the more they drink, the more they lose control. The more they say things they shouldn't say, do things they shouldn't do, go places they shouldn't go. That's what wine blesses you with. <clears throat> it's a mind-altering substance, and so is crack cocaine. So is any other illicit drug. See, here's the deal. If you want to open the door to hell, and you want to shake hands with the devil and get a foretaste of what hell is going to be like, then open the door to drugs. Amen. Drugs comes from the Greek word pharmakia, and that word means sorcery. There is a connection between drugs, mind-altering drugs, and sorcery or witchcraft. Sorcery opens you up to the, 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 the portal to hell. And if you want to see your family ruined and your mind ruined and your dreams crash and your body destroyed, open the door to drugs. I'm here to tell you there's something better than alcohol. There's something better than drinking it, smoking it, snorting it, shooting it. There's something better. And you won't wake up the next day with a hangover. I hear somebody say, well, Jeff, I didn't, I didn't bargain on this today. Oh, let me tell you something. We need to hear the word of God more than ever before. And I want you to know that your answer is not in the bottom of a bottle. Your answer is in the Holy Spirit via Jesus Christ and what he gave for us and bought for us and purchased for us when he died on the cross. The wine will eventually take control of you, as will any drug. You're no longer in control. You're out of control. And that is not the will of God for any person in this room. When a person drinks enough wine, you know what it's like. His mental processes are affected. His decision-making ability is radically altered. Almost always, almost always the negative result. I like to say with every sip you take, you increase your chance, chances of making a bad decision. You could regret the rest of your life. You say, well, Jeff, what if I just want to find out what some of those drugs are like? Do you need to find out what it feels like to put your hand on a hot stove? Just out of curiosity? Boy, I've seen people really get burned by putting their hand on a stove. I think I want to find out what that's like. There's some things you don't ever need to know what it's like. You don't ever need to know what it's like. This is totally not in any of my notes. I'm just preaching from my heart here right now. I'm just telling you. The whole idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit instead of being drunk with wine or any other substance is control. We as Christians are to be controlled by and under the guiding influence of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, we should never be guilty of DUI, but we should be guilty of LUI. DUI is driving under the influence. LUI is living under the influence. I want to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If somebody comes to you and says, are you guilty of a DUI? As a believer, I hope you can say, no, 
But if somebody says, are you guilty of LUI, living under the influence of the Holy Spirit? I want to be guilty yesterday. I want to be guilty today. I want to be guilty tomorrow. You got me? Guilty is charged. I had a drink yesterday morning of the Holy Spirit. I had a drink this morning of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to drink again when I get home. I'm going to drink of the Holy Spirit. That's what he said to do. Ephesians 5.18. Everybody say, I'm guilty of LUI. Amen. <laughs> I, I really am. Guilty as charged. Now, here's the difference between the two. When it's the Holy Spirit, we don't lose control of ourselves like you do with wine. You say, where do you get that, Jeff? Oh, it's easy. It says, we have not been given a spirit of power, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, and that means self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is long, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, self-control. When you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you don't lose control, you are under control. When I watch the apostles in the Bible in the book of Acts moving in the Holy Spirit, when it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they move majestically. They move decisively. Paul, filled with the Spirit, turns and rebukes a demon out of a woman. Peter, filled with the Spirit, turns and boldly preaches to an angry, hostile crowd. Over and over again, filled with the Spirit, they did what Jesus did. They didn't lose. The people out of control in the Bible were the people who were demonized. Behold, the Gadarene demoniac running naked through a graveyard, gravitating towards death, cutting himself with stone, self-destructive. Every relationship in his life had been shattered and ruined and broken and decimated by the demonization of his life, of his body, and of his mind. He lost his family, his friends, his job, his house. He's living in a graveyard. This is what demons did to him. And when Jesus showed up, they yelled through him, what did Jesus do? He looked right at this naked, crazy, self-destructive, ruined man and said, come out of him. Come out of him. And it says the demons came out of this poor man. And when the townspeople came to see what had happened, he's sitting, he's clothed, he's in his right mind. He's not out of control. He's under control. Jesus doesn't take people and turn them into freaks. He takes freaks and turns them into people. And I was one of them. When we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, it affects our behavior, but always for the good. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, walk like Jesus, think like Jesus. Over and over again in the Bible, we're told the disciples were filled with the Spirit when speaking boldly for Jesus, filled with the Spirit when performing miracles, filled with the Spirit when casting out devils, filled with the Spirit when being guided to a particular location. The book of Acts is really a history book of the moving of the Holy Spirit, and it didn't end with Acts 28, the last chapter in Acts. The Holy Spirit's still moving. He's moving here today. He's going to move on some of you in just a moment. 
So being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event, and it means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, finally, four simple words tell us how to be filled with the Spirit. And here they are quickly. Surrender. Can you say surrender with me? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that's surrender, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service in light of everything Jesus did for us. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. If you could take that whole passage, put it in a blender, hit liquefy, and pour it out, it would say, surrender. Surrender. I have never in my life, including myself, seen anybody get filled with the Spirit until they surrendered everything to Jesus. Everything. We lift our hands, and why do we do that? Because that's a perfect picture of surrender. I surrender. Please come up to you. Hands up. Surrender. But, but listen, God, you're lifting holy hands to the Lord without wrath and doubting. Uh, that's a sign of surrender. If somebody's talking to you like this, they're not listening to you, or they don't like what you're saying. If they're talking to you like this, they're trying to figure you out. But if somebody greets you like this, they have totally opened themselves. They receive you. I receive the Holy Spirit. Second word is ask. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that simply ask him? Third is obey. We are witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that, what everyone? Obey Him. And the last word is very, very simple. Believe. Paul wrote to the church, I ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? We receive the Spirit by faith after we have believed. So here's the word, say it with me, surrender, surrender. Ask. ask, obey, obey. Believe. believe. Can we stand together? And what we're going to do, and please don't get clock-eyed on me. The roast isn't going to burn, but you might. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, I don't know about you folks, but I'm so thirsty for a touch from the Holy Spirit. I, I need him every day. I need him every day. What about you? Every day. One taste of Jesus, one taste of the Holy Spirit, nothing else will do. It's what you sought for for your whole life. So we're going to sing an old hymn, just the chorus. And we're going we're gonna to do what we just preached. We're going we're gonna to ask God to fill us with the Spirit. We're going to surrender. Now, you say, oh, I've been filled with the Spirit. Well, look, do it again. Do it again. So can we, and I'm not trying to make you, if you don't feel comfortable doing this, that's fine. But if you are okay, lift your hands to the Lord. A sign of surrender. Lord, you see all these precious people. Lord, we're in a 
demonic, sin-infested world of rebellion against God. But we're your light and we're your salt. And Lord, we know that we won't make it to the end unless we learn to drink daily, be filled daily, walk daily in the Holy Spirit. So say with me now, church, Lord, I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit afresh and anew. Give me fresh fire, a fresh touch, fresh vision, fresh zeal for the work of God. Lord, I receive. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He did the breathing. They did the receiving. Let's just breathe in deeply the Holy Spirit. And as Carlito leads us in this simple chorus, this beautiful hymn. Thank you. Fill my cup, Lord. Sing it, everybody. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting in my soul. Bread from heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill me up and make me whole. Now we're going to sing it again and make it a prayer from your heart. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread from heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill me up and make me whole. I sing, God is so good with me just for a moment. And as we sing, receive the Spirit of God. He's moving right now. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. God is so good. Oh, he's here right now. God is so good. He gives his Holy Spirit. God is so touching me. Go ahead. Just go ahead and thank the Lord. All on your own. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Breathe on us, Lord. Breathe on us, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you for the
filling of the Spirit. Help us, Lord, to do it every day, every morning, throughout the day, walk in the Spirit, fill with the Spirit, refill. In Jesus' name. If you believe you heard that, give him a hand of praise today. Thank you, Lord.